0: This is Feel Goodery, where we take the crap or the messy, or in today's case, the villains of the plant world, let the air out a bit, and leave feeling a little gooder. I'm Kyle Buchanan. I'm so happy you're here. And as always, Feel Goodery is recorded in front of a live studio dog. First sparkle coming up. Here we go. Hello, my friend. I hope you're having a wonderful day so far. Maybe you just got up. Maybe you're walking to work. Maybe you're at the gym. Maybe you're on the toilet. In which case, I am honored, and I hope things are going smoothly. I am I'm doing pretty good. I just got back from the morning show this morning, so I still have a full face of makeup on over here, so my skin looks fantastic. Uh, just to paint a mental picture for this audio podcast, I'm 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 non shiny. I have no bags under my eyes. It's like magic. I can see why I would want to wear this every every single day. Uh, it has been a bit of a busy week for us. We just got back from Mexico City. So every year we go down there because Mark Mark performs at this big Christmas concert in front of like 10,000 people in this huge beautiful concert hall. So it's become sort of this tradition every early December, which has been really nice. And Mexico City is a really cool place. It's huge. People are really kind there. This is the uh I think this is the 6th year Mark has done this and it's the 4th time Uh, I've gone down with him and I think I had been to Mexico City before not that you need to know this but we we used to shoot uh, summer commercials down there way back when because when I was doing the the phone spots we had summer commercials every year that were outside but we needed to shoot them in March which is still winter here in Canada so we we had to fake it and shoot it in Mexico City which I'm not complaining about but anyway uh, back now back in the swing of things, the Christmas show went really well. I am in the spirit of the holidays. So naturally I'm going to talk about vegetables today which is like the worst transition in the world. just non-creative and just like a boring crap in a cracker as it like today, uh, welcome to the podcast we're we're going to talk about the different shades of white you can paint your coat closet or something like that, who knows. But who am I to judge? Maybe that would be like maybe that would be a really fascinating podcast if you liked interior design. I don't know. Anyways, we're talking vegetables today and other plants, but it's actually an interesting episode, I swear. And it's actually a question I got a lot for the morning show because it's such a big topic. I wanted to talk about it here as well and expand a little bit more so than I did on the show if you saw the segment, but also make this an efficient episode because it is the holidays and we're busy and we don't have hours to listen to someone talk about anti-nutrients, though I'm wondering what time of year would be the appropriate time to hear someone talk about that for three hours. Anyways, we are talking anti-nutrients today, which are which are compounds in foods, primarily plant foods, that can hinder the absorption of nutrients in the body and potentially cause other issues. And the concept is sort of wild when you think about it because... we. It's, we hear plants and vegetables are good for us. They're full of nutrients, right? And then people come along and tell you that mm, they're not so good for you because they're full of anti-nutrients. And it's no wonder we're confused as hell when it comes to nutrition. But here's the thing. Like anything nutrition, there's nuance to it. And it's not that you shouldn't be eating these foods. Preparation makes a big difference, like we'll talk about. And like everything, it depends on the person. But knowledge is power. And anti-nutrients are something to consider when it comes to how they can affect you and affect your health. Now, like anything nutrition, with anti-nutrients, there are more extreme views out there, especially on social media, uh, with some people believing that you should avoid most, if not all, of the foods with anti-nutrients. But if you do that, you're going to cut out a ton of food, which isn't great. And sometimes these anti-nutrients are, they're vilified more than they should be because as we'll talk about, balance and preparation can be a key factor. Here's how we can think of anti-nutrients. If the plant is the main character of our story, the antioxidants from the plants are like the plants' uh, good mood, always cheerful and positive and wants to help you thrive. The anti-nutrients are like the plants' grumpy, bah humbug kind of mood. At first, they might seem difficult and grumpy and just a pain in the ass, but if we treat them the right way, then they'll open right up and not cause any trouble. That is a very general analogy, but it serves the purpose. So with that, let's get into it. I'm going to break down what antinutrients are and then break down four common antinutrients. I did three on the show, so you get a bonus antinutrients if you're tuning in here. So, what are antinutrients? Antinutrients, as I mentioned, are compounds in foods, primarily plant foods, that can hinder the absorption of nutrients in the body. And in some ways, antinutrients are actually plant defense mechanisms that help plants survive in nature and also prevent them from being overconsumed by insects and animals by making for more uh, a more unpleasant digestive experience. Because if you think about it, plants can't fight back. They're sitting ducks. So, well, for now, I don't know. We, we're doing so many things with genetically modified. Maybe they'll be able to fight one day. I don't know. Anyways, different subject entirely. But because they can't fight back, they decided that, okay, I'm sitting here. I'm going to make some secret weapons and make it really difficult for you to eat me. So again, it'll be less likely you come back and eat me and my family. So it's important to note two big things. One, some people are more sensitive to them than others. Some people simply can't eat any of the, some or any of these foods because they're so sensitive. And I want to honor that. There are, you know, I talked about the extreme views of people saying you should never eat them. For some people, that does apply but generally the second thing i'm going to say is that the biggest issue with antinutrients is when they're eaten raw. The way foods are prepared and cooked make all the difference in reducing these compounds. So let's go over some common antinutrients and we're going to start with phytic acid. Phytic acid, also referred to as phytates, is one of the the biggest antinutrients out there. It's a storage form of phosphorus for the plant, and it's found in grains, especially in the the bran of grains or the outer layer, as well as nuts and seeds and beans, with soybean being the highest. And the thing with phytic acid is that phytic acid has the ability to bind to minerals like zinc, iron, calcium, and magnesium, and prevent you from absorbing them. It can also impair your own digestive enzymes so you don't break down food as efficiently that said it isn't a bad thing it, it well sometimes it's a bad thing but it's not all bad because phytic acid also has these antioxidant qualities and it can be really beneficial for some people so that's where the, that's where this nuance comes into play phytic acid fyi is also the reason or yeah it, it's the reason why white rice is argued to be more beneficial than brown rice because when you remove the the brand the, the outer layer of brown rice you remove most of the phytates and you have an easier digestive experience i know personally for me even when prepared the right way brown rice it just constipates the hell out of me so i i, I do like white rice and note with white rice with any rice um you can make it uh, if you're having white rice and you're like oh uh, it doesn't have as much fiber as brown rice fair but if you cook white rice and then put it in the fridge and cool it overnight resistant starch forms which is a prebiotic it's beneficial for your gut bacteria so you actually make rice healthier when you cool it overnight and then reheat it the next day but i digress to reduce phytic acid the big three are soaking sprouting and fermenting all of these methods help to break down the phytic acid So this is why with grains, buying sprouted brain, sprouted brains? This is why if you eat brains, sprouted brain is the way to go. It's it's still early. Um, Or maybe the makeup's gotten into my eye and up to the brain. Anyways, if you do buy grains, buying sprouted grain is an awesome way to go. So for example, if you buy bread, buying sprouted bread is a great choice. Or another awesome choice is sourdough which is one of my, if if I'm going to do bread, it's sourdough bread, because sourdough has that fermentation aspect in there as well, which helps to break down the phytic acid. Uh, with nuts and seeds, you can buy sprouted nuts and seeds, or you can soak them in salt water overnight and then dehydrate them in the oven. So the soaking period, ideally 12 to 18 hours, and then dehydrate them in the oven at low heat the next day. Now you're going to find kind of contradictory things online. Some people say this doesn't work. Some people say it does work. But in my opinion, if you're trying to reduce your phytic acid content and you're eating nuts and seeds, it doesn't hurt to do this. And When it comes to soy, which is really, really high in phytic acid, this is another reason why fermented soy, like tempeh or miso, miso paste you can just add to water and make a nice tea in the middle of the day, is a great option over non-fermented soy because that fermentation process really helps to break down the phytic acid. Next up are oxalates. Oxalates or oxalic acid is, it is something we make internally as a byproduct. Uh, and also consume externally. So here, of course, I'm only talking about what we consume. So oxalates are compounds found highest in foods like spinach, Swiss chard, beets, especially beet greens. So the the green, if something has a root, like the beet is a root and it has a green, the greens are typically higher in oxalates than the root. So beet greens, uh, as well as sweet potato and dark chocolate as well. And the issue with oxalates is that they can bind with Minerals like calcium in the body and form something called oxalate crystals, which can deposit in different areas of the body depending on you and start to cause issues, including our joints, our private areas, as well as our kidneys contributing to kidney stones. And this is the big one when people think oxalates. So, if you have a history of kidney stones, this is something to consider because a lot of kidney stones are calcium oxalate crystals. So all this to say, this isn't to fear these foods, but for example, if you deal with recurring recurring kidney stones and you have joint pain a lot and you have a raw spinach smoothie every single day, then maybe it's worth considering rotating that or trying some different preparation methods like we're gonna talk about. To reduce oxalates, oxalates are water-soluble. So boiling or steaming, is kind of preferred. And then discarding the water. It's one of the best ways to reduce those compounds, especially for the ones that have a large surface area, like spinach or Swiss chard or the beet greens. Staying hydrated is another great tool. You, you pee oxalates out. That's why, also one of the reasons why to prevent kidney stones, you want to stay hydrated. And another factor is getting enough calcium in the diet. It can help offset the oxalate issue, and the reason is, is the, the the dietary calcium binds to the oxalates in the GI tract and can reduce the chance that it gets absorbed and put into circulation. Another factor with oxalates, I touched on it before with the raw spinach thing, is rotating foods. This is another reason why variety and diversification is so important. Not only do you get a variety of different polyphenols and antioxidants, which supports microbiome diversity, which is so key for optimal health in a lot of ways but when you rotate your foods you're not getting the same concentration of oxalates because you're rotating your food so the big one with the main example is not having a raw spinach smoothie every single day especially if you deal with like ongoing kidney stones but rotation in people as well in your life is always a good idea i'm kidding partly but it's it's nice to you it's nice to change it up once in a while next up is lectins lectins have become a a bigger topic the past few years especially with regards to gut health and autoimmune disease so the thing with lectins the most probably the most controversial especially compared to phytic acid and oxalates lectins are found in a ton of foods including the ones we talked about earlier with a lot of these grains and legumes but they're also found in a lot of nightshade vegetables like eggplants and bell peppers. Lectins are sticky proteins and they have the ability to bind to sugar molecules on our cells, including the cells of our digestive tract. And the talk around them is that they might contribute to something called leaky gut or intestinal permeability, which is another show in itself, and cause inflammation. Now, the verdict is still out on this. Uh, the research is lacking especially human research but all this to say i am a fan of you know experimenting especially if you are dealing with uh ongoing issues that don't seem to get better so if you are dealing with things like uh gut issues or inflammatory bowel disease especially like crohn's or colitis you might want to consider just learning more not not necessarily doing this but just learning more about a low lectin diet and if so you can look into the work of a doctor by the name of Dr. Stephen Gundry. He's kind of brought lectins to the the forefront and is worth looking into. You'll find people who disagree with what he says. Well, like anything nutrition, but knowledge is power. To reduce lectins, cooking in general is a great way. Pressure cooking is really, really big when it comes to lectins. A lot of lectins get destroyed this way. So that's why if you buy raw beans... Soaking your beans and then pressure cooking them is a great choice or buying canned beans is a great option because a lot of them have been uh, cooked this way most of the time. Uh, Eden, when it comes to canned beans, Eden Organics is kind of the top. They go to great efforts and lengths to prepare their beans the right way so they cause the least amount of bloating. Boiling and fermenting can also be beneficial when it comes to lectins. The fourth one, the kind of bonus one we'll talk about today, are tannins. And I'm trying to say it with a soft T because sometimes when you say uh, T's on podcasts, it's really loud and abrupt to the ears. So if I'm soft spoken, that is why it is for your benefit and also mine because I don't want to hear the snap back in my ear. So tannins are another anti-nutrient that people might think of, though maybe not as much as the others. And I... I'm going to briefly go over tannins. So there are two main types of tannins, hydrolyzable and condensed. The condensed tannins, particularly the, the catechins found in black tea, are, are the ones associated more with antinutrient qualities. So they have the quality to chelate that's Australian, by the way. Sometimes I get haunted by accents. Uh, c- condensed tannins have... A talent to chelate or bind to iron so essentially they, they they team up with the iron in our stomachs and create a, a duo that's not the most easily absorbed and that's why they get the label of this anti-nutrients because of how it messes with iron intake so it might if you're sipping on a lot of black tea with these condensed tannins especially with meals it could potentially impact your iron absorption and this it might be a bigger deal for people who already have low iron levels or are prone to iron deficiency anemia. Now, the research on this is not crystal clear. Some studies suggest there is a connection between condensed tannins and iron, especially in areas where where tea is a big part of the diet, but it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. People's bodies can react differently, and it's not something personally of huge concern. But if you are interested on reducing tannins, here are a few things to consider. First off, moderation is key. Don't go overboard and try not to have your tea with meals because that's when the the iron interference is more likely. Having it between meals is a different story, but it's really about when you consume the tea, what you're eating with that tea, that's the factor there. And if you are feeling extra cautious, having more, and you are having like Tea with your meals, having more vitamin C rich foods with your meals might help counter the iron impact. But with all that said, even with the ways to reduce, tea more or less has been shown to be incredibly good for you. It's loaded with antioxidants. Black tea, especially, is one of my go tos when it comes to constipation, or not constipation, the other thing, diarrhea, because black tea has this, these wonderful astringent qualities to it. So many different uses, uh, but I am not saying don't enjoy tea. By all means, have your tea and crumpets. And that sound means it is time for today's feel-good thing, which are little weird things that make us feel good, that deserve a spot in the momentary spotlight, so we can train our brains to seek out the good, because they're so friggin' good at seeking out the bad. Today's feel-good thing is watching Home Alone at Christmas time, And there is a reason I am talking about that feel-good thing on today's episode – I, I I'm assuming you've seen Home Alone, but if you haven't, it is worth a watch. Uh I I would love to meet a person who has not seen Home Alone. So, but on the off chance, it is it is worth a watch. It's a it's a feel-good thing to watch this time of year. But there's a part in Home Alone that resonates with anti-nutrients. It's the part where Kevin is talking to the old man about overcoming his fear of his basement when they're in the church. And he says I made myself go down to do some laundry and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worried about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. And that's sort of like anti nutrients and us being scared of food. Now, there is a time and a place and a person, of course, where anti nutrients may be a big deal and need to be addressed, but the vilifying of these foods as a blanket statement and being scared of them accordingly, that's where we all need to calm down a little bit. But that scene with Kevin in the church with the old man talking about his his wise young wisdom. It's not so bad. And that movie in general, this time of year, is really today's feel-good thing. All right. I know that this episode was a lot of information. So at the core of this, the big takeaway is that this is a really nuanced issue. There's considerations to be made when it comes to these foods. Of course, as always, more research is needed. More human research would be great. But generally speaking, one, overconsumption of these foods is a factor. And it's also worth noting that vegetarian diets can be more at risk of the issues associated with nutrients because there is such a large reliance on things like legumes and grains. So that's where preparation is especially important. Two, heat Water, or fermentation, the way foods are prepared can drastically reduce these compounds. And lastly, three, while I don't wanna vilify these foods, it is true that some people are more sensitive to them than others and can experience symptoms and nutrient issues and nutrient malabsorption. It also, this is a key factor that I haven't, didn't touch on in the show, but it also depends, just because I didn't have time, but these issues also depend on the health of your microbiome. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole. So it's another reason to support your microbiome because it plays into everything else. But all this to say, if you are having issues, take stock of how much of these foods you're eating, and then consider experimenting with either the the preparation of these foods or short term elimination, and see if you feel better. For example, start with just go grain grain free for two weeks and see if, oh, you know what? I'm actually feeling a lot better. I'm not sore. My gut feels better. And then you can work to reintegrate them or you might feel good without it and carry on. Okay, my friend, with that, we will say goodbye for another week. If you're a little confused or overwhelmed, that's to be expected. It is a lot. But just know that these anti-nutrients, they're just trying to protect the plant. And even though they may seem mean and grumpy sometimes when you turn the light on and show them a little love now and then they're not so bad and maybe don't eat the same ones day in and day out variety is key for a lot of things i am off to watch home alone so i can steal other lines and plagiarize them and somehow make them about plants i hope you have i hope you have a wonderful day ahead i hope you're good yourself today And I will see you next time on Feel Goodery. And now for the legal stuff. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please always consult with your healthcare provider.